ask you to please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. And this past month, I know we're in July, but we, first week of July, we didn't preach a sermon regarding what we wanted to do as leaders. Um, of course, this past month was Pride Month, you, you know that, and other things as well. And we don't fancy ourselves as a church, like kind of being on the cutting edge. It's not about that. It's not about that. We don't want to be known as the, you know, the abolitionist church over there, although we're abolitionists. We don't want to be known as the, oh, they're the anti-woke church, although we are anti-woke. We don't want to be known as the anti-LGBTQ church, although we are anti-LGBTQ. That's not, we want to be known as a faithful church that's preaching God's word and also making application to that time in our lives right now, both on a personal level, but on a corporate level as well. It's part of our duty as elders in the church to keep you uh, not only aware of what's happening spiritually behind the scenes, and we see it visibly, but also to prepare you on how to deal with that from the scriptures and address it from the scriptures. So we're not going to pretend that things aren't going on in the world when things are actually going on in the world that we need to be aware of, that we need to confront, that we need to face. So that's why we took the, the month of June to preach these particular sermons uh, regarding Pride Month. And they've been powerful messages. And I really want to thank Elder Aaron for a wonderful message, Elder Luke for a powerful message last week as well. And we're going to finish that up this week. Um, so these sermons are... are we're, we're addressing it directly, so not that we're preoccupied with that as such, but you are prepared for the onslaught in which we find ourselves in, because it affects you when you leave this place, whether you're with family members, it's in every single family just about, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're shopping, entertainment, it is, it is all around us. So we need to be ready and prepared on how to handle and deal with these things in a biblical fashion. So I do want to put out, right before I read scripture, the Luther quote, or it's a quote attributed to Martin Luther anyway. This is part of the rationale for what we're doing and why we're doing it in this way. Luther says this, If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at the moment attacking, I'm not confessing Christ. However boldly I may be professing Christ. So I can be preaching, and it's right to be preaching, you know, as you're preaching through scriptures, other topics for sure, but we can't ignore what's right in front of us, and that's what he's saying. Say, so don't do that. Don't get into our little pietistic circles and just be preoccupied with ourselves. Understand the, the signs of the times and what's happening. So he says, um, where the battle rages... There the loyalty of the soldier is proved. At least that is attributed to Luther. Now to Scripture, 1 Kings chapter 22. I'm going to read the text and then we'll set the context and go for the message. Verses 1 through 28. And this is the word of the Lord. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria? And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. 
And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and he said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. The king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Canaanai, made, himself, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they're destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied. And so he said, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of, the, of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it, into, give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. The Lord, the Lord has declared disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Kenanai, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into your inner chamber and hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah. Take him back to Ammon, the, gov the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. 
And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear all you peoples. May God bless the reading, the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we come before you and ask, Lord, that you give me wisdom in your word to bring forth clearly your truth, Lord God, for us to receive your word into our hearts and to be changed, to be challenged, truly challenged, to be, Lord, um, strengthened, encouraged in our faith, to be your servants and to do what we are called to do. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, a long portion of Scripture. Obviously, we're not going to go verse by verse through this, take different sections, and get the main points out of it. So, man, sermon is titled, Tell Me Lies. And that's easy because it's so hard to tell the truth. It just is. It shouldn't be. On the one hand, it's so simple. It's just the truth. It is the truth. It is rational truth, objective truth. It's before us. And yet, at times, it's so hard. And, And mostly, it's hard for us, if we think about it, to tell the truth uh, because it's costly. And it's going to cost us in some way uh, perhaps our reputation. And I want you to think in the context, especially, this goes through all contexts, but especially what we're focusing on as we as Christians are facing an onslaught of lies before our, before our very eyes and, and, and how we're to react in that way in our culture, from the LGBT community, and so on. It's costly. It could cost you your reputation to tell the truth. It could cost you relationships. You know this. If you're a family member who is part of that, part of that move, part of that group, uh, your employment, perhaps, your possessions, especially in this culture, this culture of darkness, this culture of death in which we find ourselves, people are demanding, they're just demanding that we affirm, that you affirm, that you confirm lies. Do not speak the truth. That's, there's, there is a desperation. Pastor after pastor who is serious about the Lord is preaching. The, we're being compelled to preach in this manner because we're living in such a time as this. We can't hide. We can't turn away. We can't bury our heads in the sand. It is right before us. This is a time of, of, of that battle as we read from, from Luther. They want you to confirm lies. Do not speak it because right now, especially, it's a dangerous time to speak the truth for many of those who have the truth, and we do possess it. Well, that's kind of what's going on here with Micaiah in this episode with the kings. A little bit of background, a little bit of context, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Obviously, this is time after Solomon. The kingdom has been divided. You have the north, ten tribes in the north, two in the south. Many, many kings reigned, the vast majority. Now, those kings were supposed to represent the covenant of God, the kingship, looking forward to the messianic kingship of Christ and the spirit of David, so on and so forth. But what did they do? So often they failed. They failed. They went off and they served other gods and they were uh, lived in idolatry and so on and, so, and brought the people in that, corrupted the priesthood and all of that. You know, most of you know what's happening in, at that time, in that time period. Most of the kings were corrupt, over 40 kings or at least 40 kings. Only eight, and they were in the southern kingdom, only eight were considered good kings, kings that actually followed God, kings that actually were leading the people as they ought to, making reforms and sticking by the covenant, or sticking to the covenant. So what God would do, because there were so many awful kings, obviously, he sent the prophets. He sent the prophets to warn, to urge repentance, to turn away, turn, turn back to the Lord, 
pronounce judgment, remind them of God's covenant and their calling. He sent the prophets to speak truth into lies. We are the prophetic voice of God today on earth, and we're to do just that. Verses 1 through 4. And he says, uh, there's been peace between Israel and Syria, but that third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. That's Ahab. And the king of Israel said to his servants, don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? This is our land. We should have taken it from Syria, but we're not doing anything with that. So he wanted to make an alliance with the king from the south. Now, the north and south didn't get along very well, but here they did form an alliance to get Ramoth Gilead back. It was an important city, trade route, all all, all those kinds of things happening in that way. So they do come here and get together. But before they go to battle, Jehoshaphat wants to inquire of the Lord to make sure, is this God's will? Do we have this for us? So here we go. Now, again, like Luke said last week, this isn't a one-to-one correlation with Israel and who we are in the U.S., but what it is and what it does tell us is that God's principles of Scripture, God's truth is transcendent, it's timeless, this is the biblical truth, and these are the, the, the practices that we need to be practicing as his people. We have that prophetic voice in the culture, and we need to be willing to use it. So, two big points and then several sub-points in our sermon this morning. First thing that I want to tell you, this is the first point, if you're taking notes, it's this. Number one, evil will accumulate as many voices as it can to lend credibility to lies. Evil is going to accumulate as many voices, gather as many people as they can in order to lend credibility to lies. Whereas the truth oftentimes stands alone. And the one bringing the truth stands alone. And we always seem to be in the minority, don't we? There were those, remember, you went down to uh, the Michael Knowles conference and there were thousands of protesters and people there and there were maybe three or four christians in the midst of that that's the kind of kind of the idea here the the evil gets a lot of voices so look in verse five jehoshaphat said to the king of israel inquire first of the lord then the king of israel gathered prophets together about 400 of them and he said to them shall we go against and battle against the ramoth gilead or shall we refrain 400 prophets that he gathered So he's gathering all these people. And when there's that many, they can't be wrong. That many voices can't be wrong, right? All those prophets. It can seem overwhelming. Everybody's saying it. Everybody's believing it. Yeah, all these prophets are saying, go ahead. The victory is going to be yours. And what you get when you have all those voices, all those prophets, everybody coming together, what you have is a false sense of security. There's no doubt about that. A false sense of comfort. Who doesn't want to hear all these voices? Tell me what I want to hear, and then it might be true. It has to be true if so many people believe it. If enough are saying it, if you hear it enough times, Well, then it must be true. Well, these prophets are telling him, yes, go ahead, 400 of them, and you're going to get the victory. Maybe if if enough are saying it, the lies will become truth because people want to believe lies, don't they? And people have a great capacity for self-deception. And as many voices as you can get to say, okay, you're right, you're right, right? When people say that to you, yeah, you're good, okay, okay. But deep down, you know, you still know the truth in your heart of hearts. This is so true for today, so true today. If you can get enough voices, if you can get enough voices, 
then the very obvious becomes ambiguous. The very clear can become cloudy. The truth becomes relative, personalized, and subjective. Well, this is my truth. This is what I believe. You know, very, the, the, so clear. We know what a man is. We know what a woman is. Or do we? See, when, when that takes hold and these voices are speaking into that and evil, that which is evil in God's sight becomes good. We're at a time, we're at a period where this is, it's never been more true than it is today. The LGBTQ community has accumulated voices. More than you know. From government officials to heads of corporations to religious institutions and churches the entertainment industry to education, medical to mental health, experts telling themselves and trying to convince the world that practicing behaviors that God prohibits are actually good things. The voices are there and they're among us and they're powerful. And what's more, even many in the church, and not just the churches that we know have long ago abandoned the word of God, but even evangelical churches are making provision for this. Many voices, and they're okay with it. There are a whole lot of voices. And it's not just a fringe, not just on the fringe. It's more extensive than you believe. Powerful and highly influential. Evil will always accumulate as many voices to try to continue, try and continue to intimidate, silence the truth. The many voices. There was 400 prophets. They can't be wrong. They have to be right. There's just so many of them. We all believe it to be true. Remember the trial of Jesus. What did they do? They brought witness after witness to do what? To bring false testimony. So you think you bring enough people with a lie that it's going to become the truth. That is not the case. But there's many voices that support that. He had the 400 prophets. And the truth, oftentimes, you have to stand alone. And there's that one voice. Look at verse 8. It says this. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Is there is yet one man, notice, one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. One man. It's one man. But that's all the truth needs. One person. One person to speak it. One person to make it known. Romans 3, 4 tells us this very simply, very plainly, that let God be true, though everyone were a liar. It doesn't matter if the entire world says yes, if God says no. It doesn't matter if the entire world says no, if God says yes. Let God be true. God would send the prophets. He didn't always send a bunch of prophets. He didn't send a good company of prophets. Usually he sent one guy, for the most part, one prophet to speak to the multitudes, to speak to the falsest. Remember Elijah, how many prophets of Baal did he contend with that day? There were 400 prophets of Baal as well. He sends out, even John the Baptist, as he's out in the wilderness, preaching to the Pharisees that are coming out, that one man, that one person, the one truth of God, bringing that forth, and that's all you need. It takes one with the truth. Why? Because the truth is a reality. Because it's God's truth. Because it's unchangeable. Because that's what it is. It's fixed. 
You can't change it, no matter how hard you try. And that's why if you are one person that stands on the truth, that is all you need. My question for you this morning, the question for us, are you that one? Are you that one? Are you that one who is willing to stand for truth in the midst of lies? And that's a real challenge to us. Because this is a time, it's a, it's a very dark time, but it's a time of opportunity to do just that. To speak the truth of God in the midst of this heavy darkness that we're under. Are you the one? If you're a Christian, that answer from your mouth should be yes. You don't have a choice. I mean, obviously you, you can refuse to do it, but if you're a Christian, you are that one. And you are to speak. You possess the truth. The world needs to know what you have. But it's not enough just to possess it. It's not enough to to know it. It's not enough to believe it. Are you willing to speak it? Are you you a willing instrument on the hand of God to speak the truth in love to a culture that's steeped in darkness and lies? One man. And it was Micaiah. He was the, he was the, one, the one prophet, this, this guy. No, he, he just always prophesies against me. So you need to understand that. Evil has many voices. The truth needs only one voice. Because there's one truth. And it's God's truth. And it's more powerful than all the lies in the world. So be bold in that. Number two. Second main idea. And this is where we're going to spend the, the rest of our time. What you must expect, this is what you must, not should, not may, probably, but what you must expect, your speaking the truth into sinful situations will produce. This is what you need to expect. It's written throughout Scripture, but it's right here, contained all in one section here of Scripture. These are four things that when people know the truth, but suppress it, and that's what goes on. And, and, they, and they want you, and they demand to hear lies. When you tell the truth, these are four things that you need to, to expect, and you need to be ready to handle, and you need to be prepared for this. And not shy back, and not say, oh, woe is me. I'm so sorry that this has happened to me. Why me? No. This is who we are in Christ, and this is what you can expect. This is the prophets who came down. This is Micaiah against all the the 400 prophets against the kings of Israel. Number one, you can expect to be hated. Just face it. We don't like it. We want to be loved. We want to be liked. We don't want people to turn away from us, so we tend to compromise. So we tend to, you know, take the the edge off a little bit. I'm not saying we be mean-spirited. I'm not saying we be harsh. I'm saying we do this, but we we speak the truth in love, obviously, but we speak the truth, and that's going to be enough. Speaking the truth as nicely and as wonderfully as you can, lovingly as you can, is still going to get you hated. You have to understand that. No matter how hard you try to be a kind person, a nice person, and you ought to be. Our disposition is nice in that way, but that's a truth that they cannot take. They can't stand the light, so that means they can't stand you. They can't stand God, so they're not going to be able to stand you either. Do you understand that? You will be hated. Look at verse 8b, the second half of that verse. He says, there's one man, his name is Micaiah, of Imah, but I hate him. And that's a very strong word. That's coming from the king. I can't stand that guy. I despise him. Why? Because he never prophesies good concerning me, only evil. That's why I hate him. Because he tells the truth. 
You can expect to be hated. Micaiah was hated because he wouldn't lie. And notice this. Notice this about those who are against the Lord. He says he doesn't prophesy good for me, only evil. Here's Ahab, far from considering, and this is what the other side does, far from considering the truth as a good thing. Here's Micaiah speaking the truth from God. That's always a good thing. Not not doing that. He's not learning from that truth, Micaiah. He's not saying, okay, here's the truth of God. He's speaking to me. No, I hate him because he's not telling me what I want to hear. He's not aligning himself with the truth. Well, I'm going to change my affections. I'm going to go on God's side because he's God and I'm not. No, I hate him because he tells me the truth. The truth is seen as evil because it speaks against that sin. And when that happens, you're delivering that message. You're going to get the brunt of that. So let's think about it. Look at the perception among many in the LGBTQ. Do they think we're lovely people? Do they think we love them? We do love them. But do they think that? No. No. As I'm getting more involved, going to the parade, pride parades, the different um, activities and functions, I'm seeing something. See, they... Many of the people that we're encountering consider themselves to be very loving people, and they may well be in certain ways, but they they believe that they're loving, kind, accepting, very accepting of of just about anything, and and so that's that's it. So they're kind and loving. The only exception to that that I've found thus far is Christians. There's no love lost there for 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 the Christian. And after you talk for a while, you could see the venom and you could see the contempt that comes out. Why? Because you are a meddler. You're a meddler. You're meddling in my life. Who are you to come and tell me who I can and cannot love? Who are you to tell me that I can't do this, that, that I can't feel this certain way, that I can't change? Who are you to tell me who I am? See, that's the perception. And that's going to raise the anchor, you know, the anger uh, against us. You're mean-spirited, hateful, hurtful. How hurtful you are. Narrow. And these are words. These are out here. Bigoted. Fundamentalist. Unloving. Without understanding. Not very intelligent. Not compassionate. Homo, trans. Panphobic is what you are. And so you deserve my hatred. Everybody else I love because they're, they're, they let me be. But you see, when you take a stand, like Micaiah, who's going to tell you the truth, don't expect to be received with open arms, no matter how much we love, no matter how much our message contains the love of God, and it does, no matter how lovely you are, and you should be lovely, as we're encountering. Don't expect that to be reciprocated. Don't think they're going to open you with... Now listen, at, the, at best, there will, there will be a condescending attitude towards you. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we're free to believe, but yeah, you just don't know enough. You're still stuck in that old book, and you still believe all those stories that aren't true. You still believe in miracles, and right? You, you know, so condescending. But as that, but as that, as that conversation progresses, it gives way to contempt. It gives way to contempt when you press the truth. And since we want to be liked so much, since we want to be loved, since we want to be accepted, since we're such chickens on so many, so much of the time, we'll kind of back off and almost and even give in. Micaiah didn't. He was hated because he told the truth. If you're going to be hated for something, that's what you want to be hated for. Don't be hated for being a jerk. Don't be hated for being a mean person. Don't be hated for being, you know, whatever, whatever else there is. 
If you're hated for telling the truth, that's okay. Number two, there'll be attempts, mark this down, attempts to intimidate. Attempts to intimidate you into giving in, to psych you out, to overwhelm you with an air of authority. Look at 9 through 12. He says this, The king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying before them. Zedekiah, the son of Kenanah, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead, triumph, the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So, listen, those are attempts to intimidate. Have you ever gone in a, in a formal situation? It doesn't matter if you're at work and you have to meet with the bosses. We have an official meeting with you today. And all of a sudden, you, when, you're, when you're going into that room and they're sitting high on the platform and you're sitting down in that lonely chair and they you know, have their uniforms on or whatever, it's intimidating, right? That, that's, they were arrayed in all the garb. They were there with all that authority. They were there. Part of that is to intimidate you. So, you know, if, if you go to, to, to a courtroom or before a tribunal and it's very official, it's very scary. It is kind of scary. You know, if you've been in a court, I've gone to the magistrate a couple of times. Even that's pretty intimidating. Judge comes out in the robes, all official garb, standing there looking down at you. And so, so here it is. This is very formal. The procedures are in place. Weighty and scary. It's a great push to intimidate you into silence through that air of authority. We have everybody on our side, and we are the ones who are in charge, and you're just that person down there, that one voice against us. Listen, they want to intimidate into silence. Again, you think of the LGBT community. They have experts. They have panels. They have officials. They go, and they meet with people. They'll meet with teachers, and they will say, teachers, Here's what we're going to do. We're telling you what you're going to believe, what you are going to teach, and what you're going to allow to take place in your classroom regarding the LGBT community. Maybe not that direct, but not far from that. You could talk to Leela if you don't believe me. Now, those hers with, with the CRT. Um, many companies, corporations, organizations, churches are being intimidated by groups who come in with that voice, with that air of authority, in all the official ways, with all the recommendations, with all the policies that you need to follow, that you need to, need to adhere to, and that is intimidating. So they bring Micaiah before this array, all the prophets prophesying, all the kings dressed on their thrones. How would you like to be that person going up and standing before everybody, all those officials? There's that, that intimidation factor to try to get you to give in to the lies, to back down, to back off in that way. And Micaiah will not... Well, then there's number three, persuasion. I try to simply persuade you to go along. So you have everything going on. All these factors are play into it. Look at, look at uh, verse 13. The messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, listen, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of them and speak favorably. Right? Did you see that? We're, we're going to, uh, okay, so he's already alone. 
He's already hated. He's already trying to be intimidated. Now they're trying to, to persuade him in that way. This goes on to say, what he's saying in verse 13 is this. Look, what, what do you, come on, Micaiah. Don't be the holdout. Don't you be the one. It's always you. You know that if you're a Christian in your own family. You're the ones. You're the one that always has to be the stick in the mud. Can't you just go along with everybody else? Everybody else believes that it's fine. Oh, we know God will forgive that and do that in that way. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't alienate yourself. Don't get yourself into more trouble. That's what he's saying to him. Come on, Micaiah. Just go along. Speak favor to the Lord, even if you don't believe it. Just say that you do, and things will be a lot easier. Huh? Do you ever feel that prayer? Just, if we just go along to get along, it's not that big a deal necessarily anyway. But it'll, it'll subside. People will get over it. Besides, everybody else is, is buying in. Don't be difficult. Is it worth it? That's, that's, the, that's the attitude. And that's what you face all the time. Let me ask you, is it worth it? Is it worth it? To tell the truth. Is the truth worth it? Or is it just so easy to say, Okay, I guess I don't agree with it. I'm giving my, you know, I'm giving you my 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 stamp to say I'm not with this. But you know what? I'm not gonna. I'll let it go. No, no, Makai doesn't do that. You have to ask yourself: Is it worth it? That is so important. How you answer that question, and how you're gonna stand, because it is just one, each one of us, but together corporately. All of us are facing the onslaught in our own ways. And if we don't stand strong, even individually, we're not going to stand strong corporately. It's too easy to go along. You think about, Micaiah could have said, okay, you have all this, I'll just, whatever, let him go. And he almost does that. He does that sarcastically. You'll see that in a second. But that's the idea. Don't do that. Be strong in the Lord. Don't give in to get along when the truth is on the line, when truth is at stake. Don't say, okay, I will call you by your pronouns, even though I know that that's not true. Okay, I'm going to give in, and I'm just going to, well, I'll show my support in this way because I'm doing this because I love you. That's not loving. Not loving in this way. Because it's saying in some way well, that it's okay. I, I, I might not be great with it, but it's okay. And we all do that. Don't do that. Micaiah did not do that. Listen to what Micaiah said. And I want you, if you've not heard anything that I've said to this point, I want you to hear this. And I want you to have this verse, this, let this verse impact you. Let it impact you. Please let it impact you. Please have this verse seared into your memory and, and settled into your heart and ready on your lips. Like I said, Micaiah was already alone, standing before everybody. He was already hated. He was already intimidated or tried to be intimidated. He was trying to be persuaded. And what does he say? Look at verse 14. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. That's it. That's the truth. Amen. What the Lord says, that I will speak. Not what you want to hear, not what I'm tempted to say, not anything else, but what the Lord, what the Lord 
tells me. That's what I'm going to speak. In other words, I will speak the truth. I'm going to speak it. Let that be in your heart. Are you willing to do that? And I'm telling you, that's the mark of integrity of a Christian. Because far too often, we don't have that. We talk tough. We talk a good ball game. But when it comes down to it, when the pressure's on, when the pressure's mounting, and again, we're in the context of LGBTQ, but this goes beyond that as well. You know when you're facing sin and the truth's at stake. That's where our integrity of every Christian comes in. Our loyalty to Christ. At that moment, it's either Christ or the world. Either you are against Him or you are for Him. When you are able to do this. I will speak what the Lord gives to me, that you are telling the truth, and that shows your loyalty and your love for God, and amen to that. But you know what else it does? Ultimately, it's what's best for our enemies. You think you're doing people a favor when you're saying, oh, okay, I love you just the way you're, yeah, I'm going to be there. That's not, that's not. You're loving them straight to hell because they're not going to hear the truth and be turned to God. So please consider this. I will speak what the Lord tells me. It's not only what's best in glorifying to God, but it's what's ultimately what's best for those who are in that situation. Because if you keep on propagating the lie, if they think that you're okay with them, and then, then they're going to say, oh, you're the Christian and you think I'm okay, so that's cool. I don't have to worry about God. And then that's on you. Micaiah said, I will say what the Lord tells me to say. Verses 15 and 16. It goes on. And, and check this out. And when he had come to the king, here's Micaiah standing before the king. He says, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And, and, and check this out. And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So for a minute there, it looks like Micaiah is giving in because he's saying what all the other prophets said. Yeah, go ahead, king. Go ahead. You're up. You know, I'm, I'm tired of being intimidated. I'm, I'm beaten down from being alone. I don't want to be, you know, getting any more trouble with you. I want you to love me. So, yeah, go ahead and, and go up and do it. Is that what he's saying? No, 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 no. Read, read. Go on. Look. Look at the reaction of the king in verse 16. But the king said to him, and he's angry. He says, how many times, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. You see that? Here's the king who knows. And Listen, one of two things is going on here. Because obviously, sarcastically, Micaiah is telling him what he wants to hear. And you know, that's, he's just you know, humoring him in that way. The king is not convinced, obviously. Why is he not convinced? Well, number one, it may be perhaps the way Micaiah said it, maybe very sarcastically. It's, it's in that kind of tone here. But also, number two, and more importantly, and get this down, it's because even as much as they hate the truth and they want to hear lies, deep down, they know the truth. They can't escape the truth. And there's something about them that needs to know the truth. Isn't that odd? Isn't that strange? On the one hand, you don't want to know the truth, but on the other hand, you kind of know the truth and you want to know the truth, but you want to blame the one that tells you the truth. It's almost like that with a doctor when you go for a, 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 an exam and, and the report's not good. Like, you, you, you don't want to know. Don't tell me, but you want to know. But don't, and then you're mad because he told you. That, it's that kind of thing. And we, it's, we wrestle with that. That's kind of a paradox in, in our lives. The, the, but because we know the truth deep down. And every LGBTQ person knows the truth deep down. And they don't, 
They want you to lie, but they don't want you to lie. They, 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 want, they want to hear confirming things, but they know in their heart of hearts, and they need somebody to tell them the truth. And that's you if you're a Christian this morning. So don't, listen, don't hold back on that. They know deep down as much as they hate the truth, he knows the truth. He knows that Micaiah has the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is reality. It's the undeniable reality that's there. This wall is here. That's the truth. It's here. I could deny that it's not. There's no wall here, but I'm going to run into the wall. It's true. It is. It's God's truth. And it's true because God is true. It's true because God, because truth derives from God. It's part of his essence, his character, his nature. It's God's truth. It is the truth. That's what makes it true. That's why they want to get rid of God, because if there's no God, then you can make up your own truth as you go along. But you can't, because it's true, and God is true. Amen, and praise God. And don't be fooled, because people are going to fool you. Try to fool you in that way. But don't be fooled. He is truth. Truth derives from him. And he's the standard of truth. So, Micaiah doesn't hold back. Um, he doesn't refrain. He doesn't try to take the edge off. And he's not doing, like, again, it's not with contempt and, oh, you're dirty. It's not like that. It's just telling the truth and hopefully in love. But, but here's the truth, and you're going to react the way you're going to react. So, he, he doesn't hold back. He tells them exactly what the Lord showed him. And then, 19 to 23. If we were preaching through First Kings, we would do a week in this probably and, and ex- exposit the text. I don't have time for that. It's not the purview of the sermon. But 19 through 23, it's just a strange, almost confusing glimpse behind the curtain of what's going on in the heavenlies. Bottom line, without getting into to exegeting this, the bottom line is that God is sovereign, sovereign over all things, including the evil spirits, including the good ones, the ones on the right and the ones on the left. He is sovereign over them, and he makes use of the lying spirit. He makes use of evil as a way of accomplishing his will, okay, in his decree. And you can see that throughout history, even with Pharaoh. And with Pharaoh, his heart was hardened. God didn't harden his heart. He just let it go to where it naturally would go. He wasn't going to intervene. Even when Christ was crucified, he used the evil ones in that way. So we're not going to really at all touch on that, just to know that, that It's a means of accomplishing his will. It's another way of saying that he gave him over to the sinful inclinations. He had his prophets that were telling him lies, but he had the truth too. But he listened to the prophets that were telling him lies. That's all I'm going to say about that because we don't want to get bogged down in that and miss the point of what we're talking about. When you look at this, you may think that, man, it takes boldness. I wish I had that boldness. It takes bravery to do what Micaiah did. To stand there by himself, all the voices against you, the intimidation factor, the you know, trying to persuade factor. That's brave. It takes honesty. It takes honesty. Yeah, you may think that. And it does. Obviously it does. But these things... Listen to me. The boldness, the bravery, the honesty are a result of his humility, 
of his faithfulness and of his dependence upon God. That's what comes out. You don't go into thinking, well, I'm going to be brave on this and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to be courageous on this and I'm going to tell the truth no matter. You'll lose. You won't. You need to go in with a spirit of humility knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. You are humbled before him and you, you are his. You are his servant. You're an instrument in his hand. That's all you are. There's a humility to it. Who am I? I belong to him. I'm nothing. He's everything. I am humble before him. And I am faithful. And I love him more than anything else because he loved me. And he put this love in my heart. And I'm going to be true to him no matter what. That's faithfulness to our God and then dependence on him. I'm not depending on my words, on my wisdom, on the way I could say things or speak. I'm depending on him alone because I am afraid, because I am scared, because most of me wants to give in, because I want to be loved. I don't want to be alone. But I'm depending on you. When you do that, you're bold. When you do that, you're brave. When you do that, you're honest. This is how you stand alone. When everybody else gives in. This is how you deal with hatred and intimidation, coercing, and even number four, persecution. Because the more you tell the truth in the world that we're living in right now, don't be fooled. Oh, things seem to be getting back to normal. Under the surface, very slight under the surface. It's not normal. You know that. You know it. And we're closer, closer than ever to real physical persecution taking place, real loss taking place. We're doing what we're doing, for saying what we're saying. Are you ready for that? Look what happened to Micaiah, and we're going to close with this. I'll go over to verse 24. Then Zedekiah, the son of Kenanai, came near, and he struck. He hit Micaiah on the cheek, and he said, how did the Spirit of the Lord go for me to speak to you? And Micaiah said to him, Behold, you... And see, notice Micaiah. Even when he was struck, he, didn't, he wasn't intimidated. He, wasn't, he just kept on prophesying. He said, Okay, you're going to find out when you're in your room hiding, when, when, when the battle's going to come to your front door, and you're losing, and you're scared because you, Mr. Brave Prophet, saying he's going to win. Now you're hiding in your bedroom and under your bed because the enemy's at the gate. Then you're going to see. That's what Micaiah's saying to him. You're going to know. He said, when you're in the inner chamber to hide yourself. And then the king of Israel said, seize him. Take him. Take him by force. Take him back to Ammon the governor in the city of Joash, king's son, and say, thus the king says, put this fellow in prison. Why? Because you won't speak the truth. Because he failed to, because he would speak the truth. And he would not speak a lie. He was struck. He was taken to prison for doing the right thing, for being honest. And then he said, just give him meager rations of bread and water until I come back. And then, of course, at that point, even under the pressure of physical punishment, of being placed in prison, of losing that, for telling the truth, for being honest, does he give up then? Does he say, oh, man, now I've had enough. I'm just going to tell them what they really want to hear and leave it. No, listen to what he says. He says, and Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. I want everybody to hear. Do you see that? He's telling the truth. Expect these things. Expect them. Pray, pray that they don't come to pass because we don't want to necessarily be there. But if and when they do, don't be surprised. <laughs>
and be ready. In this context, when we're dealing with LGBTQ, we're dealing with these, these kinds of issues, whether it's CRT, also, in a, uh, you know, again, generally speaking as well, but specifically when we're standing up against that, and you're going to say to someone in your family, no, I can't do that. You're going to say to your boss in the job, I cannot go that far. No, I can't say this to you. This is how you do it. Finally, why do you do it? Why ought we do this? Well, first of all, it's our duty. It is our duty. It is your duty to do that. Are you a Christian this morning? Are you in a church this morning? Then you have that prophetic voice. And like Vodi Bauckham says, are you tending your part of the garden? You don't have to be out there in front of millions of people, but it might be within your family. It might be on the job. It might be with your friends. It might be... In, in, in school, in whatever that, wherever you find yourself, it is your duty to do this in Christ Jesus. It's part of our calling. See, the church is, has focused so much on evangelizing. That's what the church does. We just preach the gospel. We proclaim the good news. That's absolutely what we do. We preach the gospel. We proclaim the good news. But I think we forgot about our preserving factor. We're not preserving anything. We're not acting as a preservative. We're not salt and light anymore. I think we've, we've given that up. We, not only do we evangelize, we don't just simply evangelize and then go into our little pietistic corners and pretend nothing's going on in the world because, oh, God is here and we're waiting for him to come back. No, part of what the church needs to be doing, what you need to be doing, is taking Christ with you to your work, taking Christ with you to the gym, taking Christ with you wherever you go. We're not preserving anything. We've been so used to that, that has worn off. The salt is, is good for nothing right now. We've lost our saltiness. We're, we're being thrown out because we, we're not only called to evangelize, we're called to stabilize. Do you understand? We are called to stabilize nations. And that comes by telling the truth, by promoting the truth in the public square. We've given too much of that away or we've taken that too much for granted until right now. But the time needs to stop. It's our duty. Not only evangelizing, but stabilizing. And it's a privilege. Isn't it a privilege to be in Christ Jesus? It's a privilege to know what we have, that he died for us, that he, we have a place in heaven, that we are called by his name, that we belong to him. What a privilege it is. What an honor it is to serve him faithfully. I don't want to be a wimp on the last day and stand before him and just, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I was afraid. I was, I was scared. I was intimidated, Lord. I didn't. I, no, you want to stand before him and say, Lord, by your grace, I stood for you. I fought the good fight by your grace. That's what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's a privilege. It's an honor to serve you, Jesus Christ, who loves me. And I know that I'll enjoy your riches for all eternity. And I just didn't hide in the corner. I didn't tell people what they wanted to hear, but I told them your truth. And it's those very ones, listen, who hate you, who intimidate you, who reject you, who scorn you, who persecute you, that need to hear the truth. They need us to be truthful for them. They need us to warn them and to urge them to turn to Christ, to repent and believe on Christ. I could tell you from personal experience, there are those in close to me, who I've heard, who's been caught up in this movement, in the old LGBTQ scene, are now converted and earned Jesus Christ and said, thank you for not telling me what I wanted to hear. Thank you for not going along with my lies at that time, no matter how much I wanted to, no matter how much I couldn't stand it. 
I'm so glad that you stood firm and you told the truth. Because now I'm in Christ. And that's what we need to do. To be like Micaiah. We need to be strong. We need to tell the truth.